Autumn presents. First he became an American, then he joined ISIS. Written by Seamus Hughes and Bennett Clifford. Abdullah Ramaphazara had a craving for packets of instant hot cocoa. The Bosnian-American former truck driver was, at the time, a commander of an Islamic State tank battalion in Syria. Apparently, even foreign fighters who reject their former lives in Western countries for a chance at martyrdom for ISIS sometimes long for the creature comforts of their previous homes. In 2013, six Bosnian immigrants in the United States allegedly sent money, rifle scopes, knives, military equipment, and other supplies to jihadists in Syria and Iraq through intermediaries in Bosnia and Turkey. According to the U.S. government's allegations, individual ISIS fighters would make specific requests, mostly for money and military equipment, and the group would then raise funds and send supplies to Syria. The requests included what was surely an unexpected revelation of nostalgia, packets of Swiss Miss hot cocoa. By sending the cocoa mix and other supplies, federal prosecutors argue, these U.S.-based Bosnians provided what is known as material support to terrorists in violation of the Patriot Act. When the Bosnian cluster was indicted in February 2015 and subsequently prosecuted in federal court, the U.S. government divulged a raft of evidence from social media, web forums, and email, which exposed six members of the Bosnian-American community— a majority Muslim immigrant group that most people, rightly for the most part, don't typically think of as connected to ISIS. The allegations also revealed one Bosnian-American man's journey from possible anti-Muslim combatant to American citizen to ISIS commander. To uncover Abdullah Ramo Pazura's story, we spent months tracking down the fragments of Pazura's life from around the world, U.S. federal court documents in the Eastern District of Missouri, reports of military records from a Serbian nationalist paramilitary formation, truckers' licenses from the state of Michigan, media accounts, Facebook posts from a villa in Azaz, Syria. Our reconstruction shows an upbringing shattered by civil war and violence in Bosnia, followed by a failed transition to civilian life in the United States. And then Pazara found a network of like-minded individuals and friends, people who allegedly backed his growing fanaticism and then his ascent into the innermost circles of the Islamic State in Syria. This is the story of Abdullah Ramo Pazara's path to radicalization and the six U.S.-based Bosnians charged with supporting his violent jihad. Ramo Pazara was born in 1976 in the Socialist Republic of Bosnia and Herzegovina, then a part of communist Yugoslavia. He grew up in the small Bosnian Muslim village of Gomionica on the outskirts of Teslic, a post-industrial town in Bosnia's ethnic Serbian majority region. The Teslic of Pazra's youth was a multi-ethnic and multi-religious municipality where Bosnian Muslims like Pazra lived alongside Orthodox Serbians and Catholic Croats. Pazra was just 16 years old when civil war tore Yugoslavia apart, in April 1992, the ethnic Serb paramilitary force in Bosnia, known as Vojska Republika Srpska, or VRS, demanded that Teslic's Bosnian Muslim residents swear allegiance to the VRS and relinquish their weapons. Some complied, but most refused. In the following months, the VRS began a campaign of ethnic cleansing in the Teslic region, 
including setting up camps for Bosnian Muslims and Croats, engaging in mass raping and killing, and shelling Bosnian Muslim villages around Teslic. It appears that Pazara may have helped them. Multiple reports by Bosnian news outlets assert that he fought for the VRS. In February 2015, the online newspaper Slobodo Bosna claimed it had found military records that proved Pazara was a soldier in the VRS from 1993 to 1994. These reports were bolstered by Bosnian political analyst Javad Galiasevich, who said an official inside the Republika Srpska confirmed to him that the government had records on Pazara from his time in the VRS. Dr. Vlado Azinovic, a Bosnian political analyst and expert on Bosnian foreign fighters, also confirmed the existence of records of Pazara's service in the VRS. According to these records, Pazara apparently joined the VRS at the age of 17 alongside his father and fought in the Pelagicevo region and in the towns of Majevica and Bihać. During the height of the war in 1994, Pazara served as a sniper for a VRS unit fighting in the Bosnian-Croatian border town of Arashi. In other words, this future jihadist may have begun his career in combat by helping Serbs slaughter Muslims. Whichever side Pazara was on during the Bosnian War, understanding his experiences during those years is critical to making sense of his radicalization. After the civil war ended in 1995, and after Pazara and his father completed their alleged tour of duty for the VRS, they were still not allowed to return to their hometown of Teslic. Staying in Teslic or refusing the VRS would have surely resulted in imprisonment and torture. Ultimately, Pazara and his father were subject to the same ethnic cleansing inflicted on the rest of the Bosnian Muslim residents, and so Pazara carried the baggage of the Bosnian War to his new home in the United States. While records from Pazara's early years in America are sparse, he appears to have come to the United States during the late 1990s, Upon his arrival, Pazara would have faced an immediate conundrum that could explain the lack of available records about him from that time. If Pazara disclosed his participation in the Bosnian Serb army on immigration forms, as required by law, the Bosnian diaspora community in the United States would have cut off all available means of social support to Pazara. He also could have been subject to prosecution for war crimes and deportation back to Bosnia. So Pazara may have declined to disclose his war records, thus committing immigration fraud, but keeping the true details of his time during the war a secret. If reports of Pazara's VRS service are indeed true and were discovered, he would have been a pariah in America's Bosnian diaspora. After all, many Bosnian Muslim refugees of Pazara's generation, especially in the large Bosnian communities in Detroit, Michigan, Utica, New York, and St. Louis, Missouri, saw their hometowns destroyed and family members killed at the hands of the VRS and other Serb paramilitary forces, forcing them to flee the country. His desire to erase any doubt about his connection to his fellow Muslims may explain, at least in part, why Pazra turned to religious extremism and eventually headed to Syria to join ISIS. Any encouragement he received may have fed his zeal. The first official record of Pazra in America is a driver's license application from 2003, listing his address as an apartment in Warren, Michigan. In 2004, the address on the license changed, this time to a small house he bought with his then-wife. The license also was updated to a Class A commercial driver's license, a necessary change to become a commercial truck driver. 
License in hand, Pazura and his wife registered a trucking company that they operated out of their house. The company ran one truck, a 1999 Kenworth Big Rig, and mainly took moving and shipping jobs. An immigrant family moving into their first house and launching their own business sounds like the starting point of the American dream. However, the Pazura's company went belly up almost immediately, registering less than $10,000 in annual profits from 2004 to 2007. The failure would augur the deterioration of the Pazura's marriage. They filed for divorce in 2007. In 2008, with only $1,000 in his bank account and $10,000 in unpaid debt, Pazura filed for Chapter 7 bankruptcy in the state of Michigan and agreed to forfeit most of his property, including the Kenworth truck and the house in Warren. At the time of the bankruptcy, Pazura's only reported income was financial assistance from his family, who had also moved to the United States. From the bankruptcy in 2008 until 2011, Pazura maintained addresses in the Detroit area, although additional evidence suggests he spent considerable time with relatives in Utica. Photos on Facebook depict Pazura in Utica with his brother, sister-in-law, and their family. Additional records show that Pazura's parents also lived in Utica. So, too, did a man named Nihad Rosic. Rosic's family, originally from Velika Kladusha, Bosnia, were close family friends of Pazura's brother. The Pazuras and Rosic's are Kumovi, a Bosnian relationship that falls somewhere between best friends and godparents. Rosic, a truck driver like Pazura, once fought as a mediocre mixed martial artist. Nicknamed the Dragon, Rosic boasted a career record of zero, one, and zero, with one loss by submission. Rosic and Pazura likely met each other while Pazura was visiting Utica. They developed a tight connection and frequently contacted each other on social media. According to Rosic's attorney, he turned a corner in terms of his religiosity around 2011, the same time that Pazura also began adopting more radical religious beliefs. Until then, Pazura had looked more like a tough secular American biker, more likely to end up at Sturgis than in Syria a big guy with long blonde hair, a motorcycle, and black clothes. Where documentation of Pazra's life in America is thin, Rosic's life is laid out in his arrest record. In 2011, he was arrested and charged with endangering the welfare of a child after punching a woman who was carrying a baby in her arms. Then in 2012, he served a year in jail after he was arrested for beating his wife with a belt in front of their children— the dispute arose when Rosic found a bottle of perfume in the house which he interpreted, mistakenly according to even the most conservative jurists in Islam, as violating the Islamic prohibition on alcohol-based products. When Pazra moved to the Oak Brook housing projects in South St. Louis in late 2011 in search of work, he and Rosic remained in touch. By then, Pazra had grown out his beard and wore only conservative Muslim dress, the St. Louis metropolitan area is home to over 70,000 Bosnian Muslims, the largest Bosnian community outside of Europe. Many are refugees from the Bosnian War, and most are well integrated into the city. But though Pazra was living in a large, tight-knit Bosnian community, one local leader later told the St. Louis Post-Dispatch that nobody knew him. What's more, despite Pazra's embrace of conservative Islam, None of the local imams in St. Louis's many mosques claimed to have known him. His landlord and neighbors who noted that he kept to himself echoed that sentiment.
Pazra did, in fact, have a small handful of friends in the St. Louis area, in particular the Hojic family. Rami Ziad Hojic was a veteran of the Bosnian military and fought in the civil war against the VRS, even winning the Golden Lily, Bosnia's highest military honor, in 1995. Hojic and his wife Sedina Unkic Hojic arrived in the United States as refugees. Like Pazra, they had roots in Teslic. Also like Pazra and Rosic, Hojic was a truck driver and appears to have helped Pazra get a job as one in St. Louis. But trucking didn't pay Hojic enough to support his family, and they suffered financially, unable to pay hundreds of thousands of dollars in overdue state and federal taxes. The Hojiches were also by no means lifelong conservative Muslims. According to the dispatch, Hojic's neighbors complained that he would often drunkenly barbecue in his backyard while using an inordinate amount of lighter fluid. But when Pazbara arrived in St. Louis, the Hojiches began to express their faith more. Sedina Hojic only began wearing a hijab a few months before her eventual arrest. It is impossible to know with certainty what led Pazara to radicalize. The distance from his homeland, his professional failures, and his divorce all likely played some role. Certainly a turn toward conservative religiosity in a period following personal loss is a well-documented phenomenon in the literature on radicalization. What is known is that Pazra found solace on social media, where an online community of Bosnian Zalafists created a philosophical echo chamber. Within that echo chamber, the Islamic State's ideology reverberated, exploiting personal grievances, laying out a narrative of victimhood, Muslims are under attack, that seemed to excuse Pazra from responsibility for his failures and offering a new chance at success and redemption. On May 17, 2013, Ramo Pazra became a naturalized American citizen. The brochure for the naturalization ceremony shows his official name change, Abdullah Ramo Pazra. According to an eyewitness who spoke to the St. Louis Post-Dispatch, Pazra stayed for the ceremony, took his certificate, and promptly left. Eleven days later, he departed for Syria, traveling through Zagreb, Croatia, Bosnia, and Istanbul. He arrived in Syria in July 2013. Initially, Pazra was not supposed to travel alone. According to the indictment, Rosic, now going by the Kunya or nom de guerre, Abu Aisha al-Mujahid, had intended to travel alongside Pazara. But his 2012 domestic violence charge landed him in prison. Once released, he reached out to Pazara, now fighting in Syria under the Kunya, Abdullah al-Amriki. Pazara's new Facebook account bore the same name. When he posted a picture of himself in Syria standing under the black flag of ISIS, Pazara made his allegiances clear to all, including law enforcement. Risking being shunned in a Bosnian community in the United States is one thing. Joining ISIS while concealing a background of service to the VRS is another, far more dangerous step. But Pazara would have had a few cards in his favor. Today, many Bosnian ISIS supporters are simply too young to have fought in the Bosnian War, and may not view Pazara's alleged participation in the VRS as damning or even relevant. The only connection that likely matters to them is their mutual interest in Salafi jihadism. Plus, Pazara's military know-how may have impressed them. Most of the new generation of American recruits who join jihadist groups in Syria and Iraq, despite frequently espousing brutal violence, have little actual battlefield experience. 
Pazra's time in the Bosnian War likely facilitated his rise within ISIS, a feat that distinguished him from a majority of other Western recruits. In the meantime, Ramiz and Sedina Hojic allegedly began reaching out to online contacts to collect funds and buy supplies for Pazra and ISIS. The 2015 federal indictment lays out the alleged funding plan, which began in August 2013 and continued for at least a year. During that time, Pazara allegedly used Facebook and email to request specific items, coordinate shipments, give updates on his location and status, and share information about the jihad in Syria, including posting videos and pictures of him participating in military actions. Law enforcement officials claim Pazara is present in pictures of a mass beheading of Iraqi soldiers by ISIS in 2014. Online supporters left him positive comments and encouragement. In total, four people allegedly sent money to Ramiz and Sedina Hojic to help purchase military equipment and supplies for Pazara and other foreign fighters in Syria. Using Western Union money orders and PayPal, they allegedly deposited money into the Hojic's account. According to the indictment, the money was used to purchase U.S. military uniforms, combat boots, military surplus goods, tactical gear and clothing, firearms accessories, optical equipment and rangefinders, and rifle scopes. The Hojiches allegedly sent the supplies to unnamed individuals in Turkey and Saudi Arabia, who then transferred the materials to Pazara and other Bosnian fighters in Syria and Iraq. In addition, they allegedly collected funds for the families of Bosnian foreign fighters. The provision of material support from networks within a community in the United States to fighters in ISIS-held territory is by no means unique to Pazara's cluster. The Program on Extremism's report, ISIS in America, from retweets to Raqqa, highlights a number of these cases, including the Bosnian networks that supported Pazara. One example is Abdi Nur a Somali-American from Minnesota who traveled to Syria to join ISIS in 2014 and was materially assisted by several members of the Somali community in the Twin Cities. In 2015, according to court records, several immigrants from Uzbekistan and Kazakhstan were arrested in New York City after giving money to their friend, 19-year-old Akror Saeed Akhmetov, to buy a plane ticket to travel to join ISIS. The first person alleged to send money to Hojic was Mediha Salkicevich, a 34-year-old mother of four from Schiller Park, Illinois. According to the indictment, Salkicevich, like Hojic and Pazara, was originally from Teslich and was granted asylum in the United States after the Bosnian War. On social media, she used the handles Midi Umaluna and Bosna Mexico to communicate with the Hojiches. She also ran a Facebook page called Sadaka Teslich, which held auctions on donated items to support destitute Bosnian Muslim families in Teslic. On August 10, 2013, she allegedly transferred $1,500 into an account used by Ramiz Hojic, and over the course of Pazara's time in Syria, allegedly sent him at least $3,000. Salkicevic also used Facebook on numerous occasions to interact with Pazara directly, at one point indicating that she was praying for the brothers and sisters in Syria and that death would follow to the infidels. Yasminka Ramich allegedly sent money to the Hojiches on September 20, 2013. A 43-year-old substitute lunch lady for District 205 of the Rockford, Illinois public school system and a mother of two, 
Ramich entered the United States in 2000 as a political refugee from Bosnia and became a naturalized citizen in 2006. In total, she was accused of donating $700 worth of money and supplies to the effort. Armin Harchevich allegedly sent $1,500 to the Hojiches. He worked as a handyman in St. Louis, though the extent of his interactions with either Pazara or the Hojiches in St. Louis prior to giving them money is unclear. However, according to two separate sources in the United States and Bosnia close to the investigation, Armin's brother Haris allegedly traveled with Pazara to Turkey and then possibly on to Syria. Haris Harchevich, however, quickly returned to the United States while Pazara stayed in Syria. Haris has not been publicly charged with any offenses related to Pazara. Nihad Rosic allegedly still planned to join Pazara in Syria and engaged in a series of long conversations with him on Facebook in April 2014. Rosic told Pazara that he couldn't wait to face the enemies, and he asked whether Pazara himself would be available to pick him up at the Turkish-Syrian border. He allegedly sent the Hojic's money that same month and attempted to go to Syria on July 20, 2014. However, when Rosic tried to board Norwegian Airways flight DY7002 to Oslo, Norway, for the first leg of his journey, he was prevented from flying due to the conditions of his probation. Rosic's failed voyage to Syria may have tipped off law enforcement to the funding scheme. Other U.S. networks have been caught after attempts at travel. It would take federal agents another couple months to piece together all the social media records involved and translate them from Bosnian to English. Finally, in February 2015, the U.S. Attorney's Office filed indictments against Nihad Rosic, Ramiz Hojic, Sedina Unkic Hojic, Mediha Sakicevic, Yasminka Ramic, and Armen Harcevic. Federal agents arrested all six defendants. Abdullah Rama Pazara, more than 6,000 miles away, was named, but not charged in the indictment. Later that year, another court case would point to more clues in Pazara's story. In November 2015, a Salafi jihadist imam named Bilal Bosnich was sent to prison in Bosnia and Herzegovina for recruiting young men to travel to Syria. A wandering preacher, Bosnich traveled throughout Bosnia and its European diaspora, giving fiery lectures on Islam and its precepts. But Bosnich was best known to multiple intelligence agencies across Europe for proselytizing on behalf of ISIS and he was arrested in Operation Damascus, a Bosnian government roundup of jihadist recruiters. According to trial witnesses, Bosnich took advantage of populations who were amenable to the ISIS recruiting pitch, the financially troubled, the young, and Bosnian immigrants in Western countries. During Bosnich's trial, it emerged that he was connected to at least 15 Bosnian foreign fighters in Syria and Iraq, including Pazara. Hazara's success in the ISIS hierarchy can be traced in part to his close relationships with two of Bosnich's most successful recruits, Mirza Ganic, a young social media superstar of the Bosnian ISIS contingent, and Bayro Ikonovic, a seasoned Bosnian jihadist and the commander of an ISIS training camp in northern Syria. A number of photos on Pazara's Facebook account show the three of them together in Syria. Ganic, also known as Abu Shahid, was in charge of multiple Bosnian pro-ISIS online forums, where he frequently posted images of himself and other foreign fighters. Originally from Serbia, the cyber-savvy Ganic joined ISIS while still in high school. 
Despite his youth, Ganicha's prolific social media presence commanded the respect of a large swath of Bosnian foreign fighters. According to the indictment, the members of the Hojic's funding circle in the United States even interacted with Ganich online. Ramis Hojic posted a picture of a combat knife, boasting that Ganich was interested in obtaining the weapon for slaughtering. Mediha Salkicevic commented that she thought the knife was super. When Ganich was killed in Aleppo in September 2014 at the age of 19, Pazara posted on Facebook, My brother, Abu Shahid, was martyred. I pray to Allah to grant him Jannah, heaven, and the paradise of Firdaus, and bring him together in Jannah with the Prophet of Allah. While Ganich's work in the Bosnian ISIS contingent focused on social media outreach, his compatriot in Pazara's photos, Bayro Ikonovic, was more like Pazara, the older military muscle. But Ikonovic also had extensive involvement in jihadist organizations throughout the 2000s, in 2005, he was arrested for plotting to blow up a Western embassy, though he had not yet decided on which one, in Sarajevo, for which he served four years in a Bosnian prison. This made him a force within the ranks of the Bosnian foreign fighters. Initially, Ikonovic was the commander of an independent unit of Balkan foreign fighters, but ultimately he fought under the command of Tarkon Tamirazovic Batirashvili, the red-bearded Georgian-born military leader known to most as Omar al-Shishani. According to Saf.ba, Ikonovic followed al-Shishani from al-Qaeda's Jabhat al-Nusra to ISIS. Ikonovic was rewarded for his loyalty. Al-Shishani appointed him to be the director of the largest ISIS training camp in northern Syria. There, Ikonovic appropriated a mansion from a former Assad regime official in the border town of Azaz, where he hosted incoming foreign fighters from the Balkans, a number of pictures on social media depict Pazara, Ganich, and other Bosnian foreign fighters at this location, whose large swimming pool and fountain make it instantly recognizable. Ikonovic reportedly died in Iraq in March 2016. As for Pazara, the most reliable evidence out of Bosnia confirms that he served under Al-Shishani and Ikonovic as the commander of a tank battalion, a rank that exceeds what most of the Islamic State's American fighters can achieve. In fact, Pazara went on to become one of the highest-ranking Americans ever in the Islamic State, at one point commanding as many as 50 to 60 men, according to Bosnian analyst Azinovic. Pazara's role was likely a testament to his Bosnian jihadist connections with people like Ikonovic and Ganic, his previous military experience in the Bosnian War, and his knack for being in the right place at the right time as the sands of intra-jihadist competition shifted toward the ascent of ISIS. Pazara's foreign fighter contingent was known for its braggadocio on social media. Pazara was no exception. He kept a running diary of life in Syria on his Facebook page, posting pictures of his exploits and status updates about the strength of ISIS. The early photos depict a more romanticized view of combat, showing Pazara in recruitment-style pictures. Accompanying one image of him posing with a rifle, Pazara commented, I pray to Allah that this picture can be used for dawah, recruitment. May Allah give my brothers and sisters even more strength for this job, which leads us on the path to paradise. Other images are more casual. Pazara at a Bosnian-style lamb roast in Syria. 
Several other Bosnian militants are present, including Sinad Hasanovic, who was arrested alongside Ikanovic in the mid-2000s for the Western Embassy bomb plot. Another picture from the fall of 2013 shows Pazara on a motorbike, mirroring a similar picture taken of him on a Kawasaki back in the United States before his radical conversion. The bike in the Syria picture is a cheap Chinese-made model. Pazra's comment, We don't spend much. Praise be to Allah. But as Pazra continued to fight in Syria, his social media presence took a darker turn. Pictures of Bosnians killed in combat, accompanied by tributes to their martyrdom, became increasingly frequent. In March 2014, according to the indictment, he communicated with an unnamed individual in the United States. Pazara told him about a mission in which his battalion took control of a large area, killed eleven opposing soldiers, and captured one prisoner. Pazara stated that he intended to slaughter the prisoner the next day. A few weeks later, Ramis Hojic communicated with Rosic, claiming he saw a video of Pazara's group in action, potentially during the late March operation Pazara described. Hojic told Rosic that he saw ours, that is, Pazara's group, kill five soldiers, one of whom they beheaded. He allegedly used this example to encourage Rosic to donate money to buy five good snipers, which Rosic allegedly did on April 15, 2014. In May 2014, Pazara uploaded a photo album of dead combatants from the Kurdish militias, who are fighting for a state within Syria and who had been killed fighting Pazara's battalion. These kafirs, non-believers, of the PKK, the Kurdistan Workers' Party, with Allah's help, were killed during the last military action fighting against the Islamic State, Pazara proclaimed online. This is what is waiting for them in the world. These infidels in the trenches were killed one by one, fleeing their homes. One of the dead fighters was wearing a Tommy Hilfiger T-shirt, and Pazara quipped that, despite their designer apparel, they didn't have any footwear. Allahu Akbar. Four months later, ISIS fighters began a month-long siege of the areas surrounding Kobani and the autonomous area of Rojava on the Turkish-Syrian border. They faced stiff resistance from a coalition led by Kurdish factions and Iraqi Peshmerga forces, along with elements of the Free Syrian Army. On or around September 22, 2014, Pazara was killed in the battle in Kobani. He was 38 years old, according to Sof.ba an online newspaper with connections to the Bosnian Salafi movement. When he died, ISIS had not yet entered the city limits of Kobani, but it was slowly pushing back the counterforces on the outskirts of the city. Ultimately, ISIS failed to capture Kobani because foreign powers initiated airstrikes to push back ISIS and protect the local Yazidi population from imminent destruction. Pazara has been dead for nearly three years but the material support cases involving the Bosnian-American network are ongoing. As the prosecution shows, the financing of terrorist networks from the United States can occur through small personal interactions established online and offline. At first, each of the six Americans charged pleaded not guilty to conspiracy to provide material support to terrorists. Ramis Hojic and Nihad Rozic were additionally charged with conspiracy to kill or maim persons in a foreign country. Yasminka Ramic eventually pled guilty to one count of the indictment, conspiracy to kill or maim persons in a foreign country, and was sentenced to three years in federal prison. The trials of the five other Bosnian defendants remained pending.
Each individual story of foreign fighters like Pazara has its own winding streams of evidence and backstories. One of the major difficulties inherent to studying the escalation from interest to radicalization to violence is attempting to find common denominators among the thousands of individuals who zealously commit themselves to an extreme cause. But the darkness behind Pazara's paper trail, a turbulent life, disappointment, grievances, the need for redemption, the ideological underpinnings, connects his story to those of other foreign fighters. Each is bound by those deeper shadows, even when each Westerner's path to radicalization contains its own idiosyncrasies, like the Mississippi teen who packed starburst minis for her trip to Syria, or the French man who complained that his iPod didn't work there. Or Abdullah Ramapazara, who after choosing a radical departure from American society, still found it satisfying to drink instant hot cocoa in the Syrian desert. If you enjoyed this production, find the best long-form articles read aloud in the Autumn app, available now for iPhone.